If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome to the In Session Film Podcast. Welcome to our episode 271 bonus content for May 1st, 2018. And I'm J.D. Duran. And guess what? I'm Brendan Cassidy. Hey, Brendan is back. <laughs> I am. I Welcome. am. I'm back. It's our- <laughs> a little recharged. Still recovering after Good. a long weekend. Uh, for those yeah. that don't know, as you mentioned many times on the past couple shows, J.D., I was in good old Lexington, Kentucky for a wedding, betting on the uh-huh. ponies, drinking lots of bourbon, and uh-huh. it turned out to be a lot more of an expensive wedding trip than I uh, kind of expected. I, nice. I, I, I decided to drive, you know, uh, taking a 10-hour yeah. drive to save some money that way, but... When you go to downtown Lexington and you go to a bar and spend $100 on just a bottle of bourbon, you know you're going to make a lot of expensively bad decisions. Yeah, it usually starts off that way. (laughs) Yeah, and it also ends that way. And you lived in Lexington before, J.D., so you know Uh if you've gone downtown enough with some of your own friends while you were there, you always end the night by going to Goodfellas Pizza downtown by the pavilion. Uh And we did that maybe more times than we want to care to admit. (laughs) So yeah, it was a great time, though. Oh, I do miss those days. Uh, good old Lexington was good to me. Um, yeah. I'm actually going back in November for a mm. wedding, ironically enough. So, nice. Uh, I will <laughs> be having a somewhat similar experience, probably less bourbon and less Goodfellas, although that is a pretty <laughs> great combination. If anyone gets a chance to go to Lexington, that is a great combination. I very much recommend it. But yeah, uh, let's just hope that you're not there or you're not taking such time off like that while also trying to avoid spoilers for a major movie that yeah. opens that weekend, <laughs> which I somehow managed to do while I was I there. I only, I only first saw Infinity War, which we're going to talk about here. I only first saw that mm-hmm. yesterday as we're recording this. That was on the following Monday after the weekend had already concluded. Yeah, I don't know how you did that, other than maybe mm. just turning your phone off and staying within your little isolated bubble of friends, I guess, because I mean, yeah. everyone's talking about that film. Right yeah, now, it was so. more just avoiding YouTube videos and just muting certain words on Twitter. I, I, I couldn't mm-hmm. stay away from certain reviews and what certain people have been saying, just as far as their overall thoughts were concerned. But sure. as far as particular plot points, that I managed to stay completely in the dark on. Well, that is great to hear. And because Infinity War is two and a half hours long, there mm. is a lot of story to cover. Um, you mm. heard some of that on the main show episode 271, which was a little longer than normal. I feel like a lot of these superhero <laughs> films tend to go a little long. Yeah. Uh, not just in terms of the films themselves, but of course, our reviews as well. And that was certainly the case this week. But mm-hmm. uh, as you hopefully heard in that discussion, uh, there was a lot of great things to cover. In particular, Thanos. I had a lot of great things to say about that character mm-hmm. and Josh Brolin's performance. But... Let's go ahead and shift focus here to you, Brendan. Uh, Let's go ahead and get your thoughts on Avengers Infinity War. What did you think? Okay, so I want to first start off by saying 
my immediate response after leaving the theater here was, I don't know if I could really give Infinity War a very open-minded and fair critique of this experience quite yet. And it's not because I thought this movie functioned as a quote-unquote part one, which I don't think it really does. But my feelings mm-hmm. toward what actually happens in Infinity War will also depend on what happens in the yet untitled Avengers 4. And something I think we okay. can do during this discussion is maybe when we get to more spoiler topics, which I do want to talk about spoilers at some point during sure. this discussion. Okay. Maybe we can speculate on what Avengers 4 may be about, maybe what sure. may happen in that film, which I think may mm-hmm. be pretty fun to do. All yeah. I can really do is offer up how I felt while watching this current experience in theaters, which is what I will be doing. And mm-hmm. with that said... When the Russo brothers said that there were, what, 64, quote-unquote, main characters in this film, yeah. I think they actually used the term main characters, not just heroes, but main characters. They were full of shit. There is, <laughs> there is only one character, one star of this movie, and you already talked about him a lot on the main show, mm-hmm. J.D. It yeah. is Thanos. In fact... Yeah. To put the word Avengers in the title here, I actually think is almost a giant miscalculation. This is a Thanos solo movie, a film Mm -hmm. about a giant purple environmentalist who grapples with the desire to solve the issues of overpopulation while battling the personal grief and sacrifice that comes with his actions. Infinity Mm -hmm. War in some ways deconstructs many other films and their positive notions on sacrifice and here it kind of works the Mm -hmm. other way around i was very worried about thanos going into this film but i came out pleased to have gotten to know such a sad cinematic villain my -hmm. heart still goes out to perhaps loki and even killmonger as maybe my favorite villains of the mcu but thanos is not far behind and i think this is a great Mm -hmm. top three to look at as far as villains are concerned and i agree with you jd josh brolin's performance is a perfect balance of menace and heartache and with Thanos front and center, it is simultaneously why I was incredibly surprised by how much I liked Infinity War, and perhaps why I was a little bit disappointed by it at the same time. I can't say I loved the experience. In some ways, I do have some shared reservations that Vince brought up on the show, too, and it's not so much an issue with character balance and tone, which I still think the Rooster Brothers proved to have a decent handle on. I don't think this movie moves with as much grace or fluidity as previous films have, especially movies like uh, Civil War uh, in particular. At times, I actually felt like I was a pinball bouncing rapidly back and forth between threads here. And Mm. it also doesn't help that, and it sounds like we may even disagree on this notion too, JD, but it doesn't help that many of the action scenes here I actually found very forgettable. Uh, That whole opening battle in New York that's basically in the first third of the movie, I actually found rather boring, and I found that really shocking coming off the heels of such great hand-to-hand combat scenes that the Russos have given us in previous films. Mm -hmm. There's also Marcus and McFeely's script, which is certainly much more expository this time around. It's maybe doesn't quite have as much freedom or charm in the dialogue, and this can very much be okay in certain movies. And you mentioned on the show that you like that the film acknowledges the bigger stakes that are at play. But Mm -hmm. coupled with the pacing issues that I did have, I felt like a lot of that came off more as simply narrative obligation, and I really felt the sense of that obligation here. Um, So Mm. I wasn't quite as moved by those subtleties in character reunions, and I think I felt that they were just more plot points by that point. And Vince made the notion of plot points during your main review of the movie. Um, So it's interesting, though, J.D., because while I admit that these issues existed for me, I have a hard time really relishing in them because... Perhaps the main goal of Infinity War was to simply establish Thanos 
as well as get to that ending that we need to talk about. And if that's the yeah. sense, I can't say the movie fails. Maybe I just wish it compelled me more consistently, but I can't say it fails. So I do like mm. the movie. I, like I said, I just wish it compelled me more consistently. Well, it sounds like we have a lot to agree with, at least when it comes to Thanos and what he brings yeah. to this film. And as I talked about on the main show, I love that character. You're talking about the menace and the heartache that comes with that character. You certainly feel that in Josh Brolin's performance. And I love yeah. how they established that early on. The The first moments of the film and the devastation and carnage we see there and... Mm -hmm. I certainly felt his presence for sure. And then it leads into that uh, little bit of action he has with the Hulk. And I love the ramifications of that within the Hulk that we see throughout the film as yeah. well. And a nice um, little, uh, almost like juxtaposition to the, the, the ragdoll sequence we saw with Loki yeah, in the first Avengers, yeah. but it kind of flips the tables a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. So it certainly establishes that Thanos is a, physical presence that you need to be aware of for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I love the physical nature of that. I mean, because we see the carnage it, that mm -hmm. happens all off screen. So yeah. uh, it certainly hints that him and his cronies are, are dangerous for sure. But then to right. take on the Hulk who, in every other film that we've seen, nobody can touch the Hulk, right? He is mm -hmm. the Hulk. We have a Hulk, right? That line is popular for a reason. And then you see that action and it's like, whoa, all of a sudden the Hulk is not uh, necessarily in the same league as Thanos, even on a physical right. level. And so right. I love that little touch that they bring to the film. Uh, but as the story starts to unfold, I love that the film balances out that, you know, domineering uh, nature in that character with a more emotional complexity and and mm -hmm. and that to me uh develops in such a, a nuanced way that i i don't know if i expected to to be honest yeah. with you brendan it, it yeah. really it really turned out something uh special for me and and to me i think it is is very much on the same level as the introduction we see of Loki. And as yeah. we've argued before like Loki is probably my favorite villain but that's because we've seen him in what four, five different movies? Mm -hmm. You know, he's in this film that you know it's like his sixth or seventh appearance. And I love Killmonger for the reasons we talked about in Black Panther. But as a solo film, and I agree with you, this is Thanos's movie. This is it is his origin story, and I feel like they flesh him out um, equally as much as the introduction of Killmonger or Loki in that first Thor film. And mm -hmm. that to me is impressive because there are so many things happening. I sympathize yeah. with your feeling of this film going around like, uh, like a pinball. I think the difference mm -hmm. for me and you and all of that is I was compelled by the action. I was compelled by the characters, the banter, mm -hmm. the fun that the film is having, like merging all of these characters and story threads that to me was very fluid. So while you are bouncing around quite often, um, I, I think the Russos do a, a very good job of uh, fleshing out th these different story arcs in ways that make sense and, mm -hmm. um, and, and make sense of the editing and all of that. But I can certainly understand you know, that criticism because we do bounce around quite often, mm. but despite all of that, uh, and there is so much fun to be had with the heroes of this film at the end of the day, this is Thanos's movie. And mm -hmm. 
to make him such a fully realized character among all of these other things going on, I just find incredibly impressive. I mean, a lot of it, as I said in in my opening thoughts on the show as well, is that this is 10 years of character building and, and storytelling. I think that's another reason why the bouncing around works for me is because, you know, the Russos don't have to take a lot of time to introduce these characters. They can just Mm -hmm. move forward with the story and these characters in a way that progresses this story forward, the overarching story. Um, And as I said, I think they do a very good job in all of that. Um, But to make Thanos such a pivotal part and for him to have the kind of nuance that he does, I just think is is incredibly impressive. And it's what makes the ending of this film completely earned for me um, in terms Mm. of. Uh, crystallizing this as a Thanos movie, right? This isn't about the heroes this time. You know, it's interesting. Right. It's they're flipping that Marvel formula, right? It's which has always it been is. about the hero's journey. This time, it's about the villain journey. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's why the film ended the way it did. And, and I love that. And uh, I guess I do want to get your thoughts on the end. We'll try to avoid spoilers for now, but we we will get mm-hmm. to that here in a second. But I just want to get your thoughts on the ending specifically. Yeah, I'll get to that in a second, but I do want to bounce off something quickly. I, I and I, as I said, it, the, when when it comes to all of these characters in this movie, I don't think the issue is with balance, as I've been saying, as far as why it didn't always quite feel as seamless for me, and I didn't need these characters reintroduced in any way. Maybe I just needed a bit more freedom or looseness in the dialogue rather than have it be very reliant on the more expository writing this time around. And a movie Mm. like Civil War has been able to balance both of those extremes very well, so it still felt very character-specific while also Mm. moving the plot along at the same time. And I I, I guess I I kind of felt that balance for me. Okay, and that's fair. like, Like a great example, there's you know, that quick little moment where the Hulk comes back to earth and there's that moment where black widow sees him for the first time. And I love that they linger on it enough. Like there's an acknowledgement there. Uh, and I love the subtlety of that without distracting from the urgency of the situation, because as we said, Thanos, you know, he brings a mighty presence to this film and there is a heavy sense of urgency. And I love how the film acknowledges you know, these characters coming together and there is some playfulness and all of that without ever losing sight of that sense of urgency. To me, I think the Russo's handled that really well. Yeah, you mentioned a very good subtlety that I do agree with. I also agree with uh, when the Guardians are introduced to Thor for the first time. There are some great moments of humor there. Uh, But moments like when Banner and Tony Stark get reintroduced again, also with Doctor Strange in the mix, that felt very half-assed for me personally. And Mm. then when we actually arrive on Titan and then this same crew is introduced to the Guardians for the first time, that didn't really work for me as much I love that. (laughs) See, to me, I, I felt like that sequence had the most looseness of of anything in this film like the whole interaction with chris Mm. pratt and coming up with the plan and like a lot of those scenes felt like the russos were on set going all right chris pratt just do your thing right like just kind of improvise and kind of have fun like that's how it felt to me interesting yeah i guess it wasn't loose enough for me personally but i can sense where you're coming from with that it does also lead to that great why is gamora uh, yes (laughs) which we we do have to acknowledge is quite great (laughs) anyway uh we've sidestepped long enough let's get to the ending and like you said we won't get into the specifics of it yet i'll just offer my brief thoughts before we get into the the implications of it, maybe some of the predictions of what it might mean for future 
sure, movies. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I will say it mostly does work for me in the sense that this is from Thanos's point of view, and it actually mm-hmm. works as an allegory for that battle between sacrifice and uh, personal pain. And mm-hmm. I think that that's why it does work, because if you really look at it from Thanos' perspective, you can get that sense of drama out of him. And you almost, I don't want to say it's there, but you could also question his own internal validity, as if he feels like he has even justified his own actions, especially mm-hmm. when you look at a lot of that is driven by the love of his adopted daughter, Gamora. And the movie establishes he did genuinely care about this girl and you mm-hmm. actually believe it and that is surprising i did not yeah. expect that out of this film that's what i loved so much about the sequence with little gamaro right mm-hmm. like it's almost like this fatherly tender moment that you don't expect with everything that is happening in the background there if, if, yeah and that 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 feeling carries through every time gamora and thanos are sharing sc- screen time together and it's just them in fact interestingly enough i kept thinking about this while in the theater it almost reminded me of how great those moments between luke and ray were yeah. in the last jedi and then yeah. we kept cutting back to finn and rose that was like my <laughs> experience with the rest of the avengers here fair. personally that's fair um but there's enough between these two characters gamora and thanos specifically that I think does save the movie for me, and the ending is potentially very ballsy. And I do want to applaud that there is a sensation of like an ugliness that it actually provides. There mm-hmm. is a sense of grief that it does provide, even though deep down we know some of this stuff is probably going to be undone in yeah. some way. And we'll talk about that specifically in a little bit. So. That's why I have to wait for Avengers 4 to see what actually happens because if everything gets undone and it leads to some quote-unquote happy ending, if you want to call it, then I may have some reservations about what happens. I don't know where it's going to go. I like that I don't know where it's going to go. But in the context of this experience, there is a sense of grief that I really appreciated. And from Thanos' point of view, I think it's actually a fascinating character study. I agree. And I think that should be the conversation. This is Thanos' mm-hmm. movie, and that's why the film ends the way it does. And I feel like a right. lot of the discourse right now is, oh, well, of course, a lot of these quote-unquote disappeared individuals are going to come back. So a well, lot of the, the drama is you know deflated because of that. I just feel like that is the wrong conversation to have. I agree mm-hmm. that a lot of these quote-unquote, disappeared individuals are going to come back, for sure. Now, Feige yeah. has stated that the characters that have died, that are that are physically dead, that happened prior to the ending, those characters will stay dead. He's made that known. Mm. But regarding the ending, I think there's a lot of ambiguity there. And I think a lot of us can read yeah. into the fact that this is a superhero film, right? So there is a certain formula to that. We don't go to these films to watch the heroes kill everybody and win the day. That's not what happens in these films. Mm -hmm. These heroes will go through adversity and they will overcome that adversity and they will win today. That that's, that's what happens in Mm -hmm. these films. We know that's where it's going. So the, the discourse I think should be about the journey, right? How do we get from a to Z And right Mm -hmm. now we have a villain that has done something that no other villain has ever done. Right. Like he's he's not only, you know, destroyed part of the Avengers. He's killed half the universe. Half the universe is gone. And the film ends on him on that victory. Right. Um, And I love that the film has the gall to do that. 
And I think by focusing on these quote unquote disappeared individuals, you miss the beauty of Thanos's arc in this film, those ideas that you're talking about of environmentalism, mm -hmm. how that affects Thanos on an emotional level, the sacrifice that comes with all of that, and how that has an effect on Thanos as well. I think the film does such a great job, as I said, of fully realizing that character inside of all of that, while also cementing credence that he's not really about world domination. No. He's not about power. He's not your conventional villain. By any means. In fact, Loki fits that bill way more than Thanos does. He does. Thanos has an end goal that is arguably, and this is, again, it's a weird word to say, and, and it feels weird when I think about it and say it out loud, but it, in a way it feels almost humanistic. Yeah, like, I remember you mentioned that before. Yeah, it, it really does feel that way uh, because uh, his desire in all of that is, is actually to give individuals a more practical way of living that mm -hmm. isn't suffocated by you know hunger and you know all of these world problems that that poverty tends to give yeah. and so he has a solution that of course you know it takes a sacrifice and he's willing to do it but he's not necessarily happy about it right. um and i and i love how the film lingers on that you get that final shot uh of him you know looking at the sunrise and there is kind of this balance of relief that it's over with and also sadness that it had to happen yeah that final shot is what enhances everything that you're talking about because we see thanos there alone in a sense of contemplation of what he has done almost as if there is mm -hmm. perhaps some loneliness that comes with it and the movie mm -hmm. doesn't go out of its way to antagonize everything thanos does and i mean it does mm -hmm. but at the same time there is a pathos in the way that Thanos actually yeah. believes in his motives. Yeah. And I, yeah. I also don't want to say it's actually not too far off from certain uh, political histories. If you also want to think of it mm -hmm. that way, let's say if you want to sure. look at China and their previous one child policy that they had, that basically is a way of attempting to solve the same issues that Thanos believes mm -hmm. exists about yeah. overpopulation and trying to create a more cost efficient way of living. And there is an element of sacrifice that comes with it. The whole movie actually deals in, in individual and one-to-one -one sacrifice, not just between Thanos and Gamora, but Peter mm. Quill and Gamora, even Vision and Wanda Maximoff. They have these dualities where they say, you must let me go if this situation were to come into play. And that 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 duality and those conversations exist in many different characters. There are a lot of parallels there mm -hmm. that I also found mm -hmm. very thematically fascinating. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I think... That's where the conversation with this film should lie, mm -hmm. um, because obviously, while his logic um, it does have merit, it, it obviously is at least arguably very misguided in mm -hmm. execution, sure. right? And that's why the heroes matter to this story as well, because mm -hmm. someone needs to correct that in Thanos, and that's where the Avengers come into play. And that's right. why when we get to Avengers 4, we are going to see some things shift. But Infinity War isn't really about that, right? It's right. not about the heroes overcoming the adversity. It's about the heroes going through the adversity because Thanos is sticking with his convictions in a palpable way. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I feel like the conversation of, oh, of course they're going to come back is just the wrong conversation to have. I understand that, you know, maybe dramatically that's a little deflating because 
you know, yeah, of course they're not dead. I, I get that. I just feel like that's the wrong focus because that's not what the film is about. Yeah. You know, the film is about Thanos and uh, his goals as, as we were talking about. And I just wish that people would focus more on that. Yeah. You know, given that this is a Marvel film, we know where it's going to go. I just, you know. Yeah. I, I guess it's just frustrating to me that people are are focusing on the wrong things. Like the, the, the discourse I see on Twitter is almost irrelevant to this film. Well, it, it's all based on narrative. It's all based on the physicality of who actually quote unquote bites the dust, if you will. But at the same time, I, yeah. I while I would find it maybe dramatically deflating, as you're saying, it could potentially be thematically deflating as I think some of these things will remain more intact. If some of these ramifications do remain true, which is why I am happy that Feige has said that characters who do die prior to this ending that we're talking about will actually stay dead. That has enough of a sting. Mm. And if we are in spoiler territory now, I guess we can yeah, reveal yeah, let's, the names of who we're yeah, talking let, about. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. But for the first two are Heimdall and Loki. Loki dies within five minutes of this movie, and the the mm. movie even goes out of its way to say no resurrections this time, which is almost like yeah. a commentary on the Marvel formula itself. Yeah. And then, if I'm not mistaken, I think we lose Gamora next after that, and that's the one I did not mm. see coming. The, yeah. uh, the 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 actual discovery of the soul stone which was actually being guarded by red skull himself yeah crazy I, <laughs> yeah i, had I, I no don't think idea. hugo yeah i don't i, I don't think hugo was actually came back it was mars ross marquand i believe it was but uh yeah. but yeah the sacrifice of gamora is a pretty painful one because i didn't expect mm -hmm. it and there was something visceral about it given the relationship between thanos and gamora and then we also had vision prior mm -hmm. to the acquiring of the mind stone if i'm not mistaken too yep. This is still enough of a sting, and at the same time, based on where these characters actually go, the half that do fade to dust, whether they actually have died in this reality now or maybe that they happen to wind up in the Soul Stone in some way, I'm not sure we can speculate that. I don't think it's a coincidence that the ones left are the original Avengers, and I think that's mm -hmm. something that has been talked about, so maybe there are going to be some elements of sacrifice within them too as a way of passing the torch so i do have a hunch that there is going to be a devastating sting even carried through avengers yeah. 4 which will hold these themes intact for me yeah well and, and i think that's the other thing too it's not mutually exclusive mm -hmm. just because these disappeared uh heroes come back and i do think we will get that i think all of the 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 heroes that quote unquote disappear mm -hmm. into ash at the end of this film they will come back in some way shape or form yeah we know that and i don't think that takes away from the emotional and moral and ethical complexities we see in Thanos and right. how all of that is fully realized in that character and, and how it all crystallizes. Yeah. If this movie were not from Thanos' point of view, like we've been talking about, then yeah. we may be having a different conversation yeah. here, but I, because it is, yeah. it works. I completely agree. So seeing those characters come back, it doesn't take away from the beauty of that characterization in Infinity War. Right. The other thing to keep in mind, just because those characters rise from the ashes, like the Phoenix, who may be in <laughs> one of these films <laughs> later on down the road, just because that happens, that doesn't mean they're still going to survive the events of Avengers 4. Right. Once we get to the end of that film, Tony could still die, Cap could still die. I'm still expecting those two to... 
I guess all pun intended, bite the dust in mm. that film. So I do think all these characters will come back only for some of them or some of these original Avengers to die at the end of Avengers 4. So that, those dramatic stakes that people are talking about that feel deflated because we know they're going to come back, I, I don't feel that because I still think that Thanos is a menacing presence that we should take very seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think the results of the conflict um, in Avengers 4 could still result in casualties. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm very much expecting that to be the case. Yeah. So I think we're going to get the best of both worlds. We're going to get a fully realized villain that is emotional and menacing in Avengers uh, in Avengers Infinity War, which is great. That'll you know lead directly into Avengers 4. Mm-hmm. They can focus more on the heroes and how they come back. And then you still get the casualties at the end that you know keeps things grounded and, and visceral and real and emotional in a new way in that film. I think it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. I think we can get both. And I think that's where the, these series of films are going. I do think that's where it feels like it's going, especially with the fact that, as we've been saying, this film is very much from Thanos' point of view, which is why we can ignore the narrative uh, ease of where this could potentially go. Just because Spider-Man has another movie coming out or another Black Mm -hmm. Panther movie is coming out. I mean, hell, it's possible they bring in Miles Morales. It's possible that Shuri takes over Black Panther. Maybe they just played this card way too soon without realizing the hits that they had on their hand, they being Marvel. I don't think it's going that way. At the Mm -hmm. same time, I think they're specific resurrections and not just them we also saw bucky barnes bite the dust we saw Groot. we Mm -hmm. saw basically almost all the guardians bite the dust uh, maybe except for Mm -hmm. nebula um we also saw dr strange do that too people Mm -hmm. who we know are meant to come back in future movies i don't think their resurrections that we expect to possibly happen in avengers 4 I don't think it really could negate it because I think you're right that there are going to be severe ramifications with other things going forward. And I think Doctor Strange knows that. I think he Mm -hmm. is the most important character in this entire climax because of all the 14 million options that I think he said that he saw kind of going back and forth in time. He said there's only one where they survive. And I think that one involves Tony Stark still being alive without knowing why. And there's going to be some choice that he probably has to make, either him or Cap, Mm -hmm. or maybe even Thor or Hulk. Like I said, I don't think it's a coincidence that the original Avengers are the ones left standing. Yeah, I mean, because even as—and sorry to butt in real fast, but uh, even as Doctor Strange is disappearing at the end, he— is still sticking to the idea that there's only one way. Like, yeah. it has to be this way. So yeah. he foresaw this happening and mm-hmm. knew that it was going to come down to probably Stark or Cap having to make some sort of you know sacrifice as you're talking about. Yeah. And I, I, I'm i also very curious about that as well. Mm-hmm. I love Doctor Strange in this film, and I agree. He's starting to become more of a presence, and I'm very fascinated to see where that goes. Yeah, absolutely, but the thing is, as we've been saying, there is that element of sacrifice as a theme here that I think has to carry through, Uh, so even despite Mm -hmm. some quote-unquote resurrections that we'll probably see, I don't think we're going to get all of them. There may be some role-switching. I don't know what's going to happen. I like that I don't know what's going to happen, but Mm -hmm. I expect that sting to stay in place in some way. In some way. Yeah, which will make Thanos' motivations and that final shot of the movie perhaps even that much more heartbreaking. I don't think they can back down on it. And if they do back down on it, that's where I say, "Eh, maybe I like Infinity a little bit less now. Uh, If they choose to do that, but I don't think they will. Oh, and I guess for a little bit more clarity, I'm curious what you mean by back down on it. Like, 
Like when what? you say that, you mean like no deaths at all in the yes, next film? Yes, yes. Like somehow okay, they negate yeah. everything. I don't know how. Uh, I don't expect them to do that, but that's what I mean. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case either. And I know mm-hmm. that I've been a little bit passionate, and it probably feels like I'm, you know, yelling into our little echo chamber here. But uh, there's so much conversation right now, especially online, that I just feel like is the wrong conversation. It's too superficial. I mean, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I do think when we get to Avengers 4, there is going to be further carnage. I think we are going to see casualties in that film, despite that within the first 30 minutes of that film, we're going to see some sort of remedy to mm-hmm. these disappeared heroes. They'll come back. Absolutely, they'll come back. I'm sure Vision will even come back. They mm. you know, found a way to you know, harness the energy of that stone. We saw that with the Letitia Wright character right before she dis- disappeared from the film, I think through that process, we're going to see Vision even come back in some way. Okay. And I think it'll, it'll make sense in that regard. Um, regardless, I don't think that means that everything's going to be hunky-dory after that because right. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. I don't we'll, see them, we'll see them come back. We'll see another huge fight at the end of that film, and that will lead to more deaths. And, and I think it'll make sense of where they're taking this film. And like I said, it won't take away from what we saw with Thanos and Infinity War. I think yeah. we are going to get the best of both, both worlds. And we're all, uh, yeah, that specifically. And we're also going to potentially see some, I don't want to say just new characters, but characters that we didn't even get in this movie yet. Not just uh, Cliff Barton, uh, Hawkeye specifically, yeah. or even Ant-Man. Yeah. But, yeah. As, as I'm sure you stayed till the end credits, J.D., we're also mm-hmm. going to get Captain Marvel in yep. some way, and that's what that illusion was. Yeah, and I look forward to that. I mean, it, and it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to see how they play with that timeline as well because, you know, Captain Marvel takes place in the 90s, so it's going to work as a prequel of sorts to the events of the MCU. Right. So where has she been all this time? Well, I'm looking in the comics, to- yeah, in the comics, she has been uh, somehow in relation with the Kree Empire. So mm. uh, the Kree and the Scrolls in their specific war, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't read the comics; it's just my, you know, okay. my uh, my my uh, eavesdropping, <laughs> if you want to sure, call it that. Sure. But I think it has something to do with that. Well, and I am not too familiar with her as a character, which is why I love to bring on our friends like DJ Valentine or John Barry who can fill in right. those gaps for us. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, and I guess what I'm really saying is that I'm looking forward to finding out those answers when we see Captain yeah. Marvel next year and then leading into Avengers 4, which she was going to have a, a big presence in. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing how all of that comes together. Uh, but yeah. speaking of other characters, we've talked a lot about Thanos and the stakes of these films and where all of that is going, but... Another character that I talked about in our review, Brennan, was Thor. I have Mm -hmm. loved the progression of that character. Um, I love the progression of him in this film specifically. And I talked about how I loved Chris Hemsworth's performance. He's so good in this film. Yeah. But uh, what about you? Are there any other characters outside of Thanos that stood out to you? I will echo Thor and Gamora that I believe it was you and Jonathan that brought up specifically on the show. Their performances do ring out. There there is a real sense of sadness in them, and I do think they probably have the most defined arcs here, so I will agree with Mm -hmm. you on that. But as far as any others, you know what? Actually, Tom Holland as Spider-Man and Peter Mm -hmm. Parker kind of stood out for me, and it's mostly because of that duality between him and Tony Stark. And maybe Mm -hmm. it's also just because of... 
that final moment that the two shared together before yeah, Peter Parker sure. actually fades to dust. That one moment is, I don't know, the fact that it happens to a young kid who still feels like a young kid, I think maybe that alone is why it works, so it might even be a little bit cheap to call it that. <laughs> but there's sure. something about Tom Holland's reaction to that. He's you know, good, the whole, man. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. That actually stood out for me, and that's something that is probably going to mentally hurt a lot of the young audiences that go see this film. In fact, I told you this story, Jade. I want to bring mm -hmm. this up, but yeah. at the end of this movie, throughout the entire credits, there was some girl, I'm guessing maybe in her late teens, that started sobbing hysterically at the ending of this movie. And it was the ending that did it to her. It was to the point that her friends were contemplating mm -hmm. on calling someone. Like, they actually thought she was going to get ill from her reaction to this wow. movie. And and I was and I don't mean to say that as a joke. I mean it mm -hmm. kind of sounds yeah. funny on paper when you say it that way, but I was listening in on it and it was borderline hysteria what this movie apparently did to her and she kept saying wow. it was the movie. So things like that, I have to applaud Marvel and yeah. the risk that they took in actually maintaining not just what happened but the tone and the feeling that it provokes yeah. too. Well, look, I can sympathize, Brendan. I had that exact same response to Grave of the Fireflies. I don't think I stopped uh -huh. crying for a whole month <laughs> <laughs> afterwards. Certain movies have it, exactly. whether it's Grave of the Fireflies or Avengers <laughs> Infinity War. Exactly. You know, different strokes for different folks, I guess. So mm -hmm. I didn't have that kind of emotional reaction, but I still found much of this film poignant, and a lot of it does come down to the performances. Of mm -hmm. course, Hemsworth, as I talked about, he is a true standout for me, but I also love Zoe's Donna in this film. I, I agree with a lot of what Jonathan had to say on, on the main show there as well. And Josh Brolin, we can't forget him too. I mean, so great. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about the character and, you know, again, sometimes it gets lost because it is a motion capture performance. And I think it's the first time Josh Brolin has ever done that, but he mm. does offer a really captivating performance. And that moment he has with Gamora where he has to sacrifice her, Pretty stunning work, uh, motion it capture is. work from from Brolin. I, I love that. Uh, and the whole yeah. banter, that whole dynamic between Brolin and uh, Zoe Zaldana is, is terrific as well. Yeah. Um, and as much as I like those performances, especially on a dramatic level, it, you know, and comedy is subjective, but I laughed a lot throughout this film as well. There's a lot of humor mm. to be played. Um, and in particular, I loved the dynamic between Iron Man and Doctor Strange, I thought was pretty great. So seeing the two Sherlocks <laughs> go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, I thought was pretty wonderful. You're embarrassing times. me in front of the wizards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Love yeah. that. Like, Downey Jr. has done this countless times. He could do it in his sleep. And I know sometimes that gets lost with all these new characters and things going on. But mm -hmm. he, he could still bring it. He's still very good in this film um, yeah. when when called upon. And it, or even that moment, uh, I think I brought this up on the show as well, but there's that moment where Star-Lord is like, I'm from Missouri. And he's like, yeah, that's Earth dipshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> a great line. <laughs> yeah, he's committed. And after, yeah. what, 10 years of this, since he's the you know he was the one that starred in the movie that kicked this whole thing off, he remains committed to it, and you have to applaud him for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of Chris Pratt, I think he's quite humorous through a lot of this as well, just doing his normal sure. Chris Pratt stuff. Well, um, imitating Thor, the, the yeah. whole deep voice thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was an element Love of that. banter I also really liked. <laughs> exactly. And that's, I guess, what I meant when it feels like the Russos were like, just do your thing. You don't even have to read the script. We'll just kind of mm. make it work. So, okay. um, you know, and, and a lot of that was 
fun for me. Or, you know, of course, there's Drax doing Drax things as well, uh, which we joked about on the main show. And, and mm-hmm. one player that also gets lost in this is Bradley Cooper. And I talked about this when, uh, when we did our top three scenes because Rocket okay. was a big part of my number three. But Bradley Cooper's uh, voice performance as Rocket has me in stitches. That character is hilarious mm. to me. Everything he says is hysterical. And there, even, and there are even a few moments of heart written for that character that I think Cooper hones in on in some really great ways, which is why that bar scene in the first guardians made uh, one of my picks for uh, the top three we did on that show. So, right. um, and, and he doesn't have like a huge arc in this film, but whenever he's on screen, I was captivated by it. And, mm-hmm. you know, with everything going on, like those little, you know, some of these little things, little scenes here and there, little jokes or little performances, uh, it's what elevates this film uh, to to being the experience it was for me, I think. And yeah, and maybe this is why I need to see it again, because I feel like I still needed more moments like that. As I said, that really is my biggest issue that I felt the expository dialogue did kind of suffocate some of those moments for me personally. There are mm. there are enough to enjoy myself, but I do think yeah. there are a lot of them that do kind of feel maybe imbalanced, if that's the right word. I'm, I'm not really sure if that's the right word. Maybe uneven yeah. might be the right word for me personally, but yeah. I do like enough of these moments that I can't, I think they are great for what they are. In fact, I think Steve Rogers has the greatest joke in the whole movie. When he's, when Groot says to him, I am <laughs> Groot. And he goes, Steve I am Steve Rogers. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the funniest moment of the film. Yeah. Really good stuff. And from a character that, isn't reliant on comedy a lot Mm -hmm. with Steve Rogers for them to kind of leave that moment there and linger on it. I thought was really great. And um, I I guess maybe I was just in the right headspace and not to say that on a rewatch things would change for you, Brennan, but Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know, for some reason I was able to really focus in on not just the scenes of exposition, but to me, I think, the writing of the film, the performances, the way Russo staged a lot of those scenes, I think they turn a lot of that exposition into something that serves the story forward in a fun way. Like they they kind of play with a lot of those lines. Sometimes there are direct uh, references to previous films or direct things happening in, in this film that's that kind of works as an in-joke, which I, I think is really mm-hmm. great. You know, going back to Rocket, there's that moment he brings out the eyeball that we saw in Guardians 2 that was a specific yeah. reference that I thought yeah. was funny. Or, or on the flip side, dramatically, again... Uh, we see a little bit of a turn with Rocket. He sees that Thor is vulnerable because Loki had just died. His dad had just mm-hmm. died. He just had to kill his sister. Asgard is completely destroyed. You know, Heimdall just died. And so yeah. Rocket sees this, gets out of his little chair, walks over to him, and they have that conversation, which for my money was one of the best scenes of the entire film. And Hemsworth sure. moved me. Uh, but even in Bradley Cooper's vocal performance, there's there's just something about those tonal changes that work for me. There's focus on the subtleties in that in that moment that um, I, I think complements the bombastic nature of a lot of this film as well. Yeah, there's a tenderness in Bradley Cooper's voice performance that I I will say maybe a little bit surprising as well, even though we have seen it before, but it comes at the right moment and at the support of Chris Hemsworth's uh, great performance that we've mm-hmm. also been talking about. Yeah, so anyway, I know that I'm rambling on and, and probably being a little bit redundant <laughs> if you heard episode 271, but I say all of that to say that if... If you and I, Brendan, were to sit down and do like a commentary and watch the whole film from beginning to end, I could point out 
a lot of sequences in this film where the movie focuses on character, whether that be dramatically or maybe they're just fun little end jokes or, you know, there's lots of times where this film pauses and I love that about the film and how it complements, you know, the sense of urgency and the action sequences and the overarching story. I do think there Mm. is a great balance in all of that that worked for me anyway. So, yeah. And maybe, like I said, if I give this film another chance, another go, another rewatch, maybe it'll tighten up a little bit better for me. I can't quite say I'm that close to it as you are, but maybe Mm. on another rewatch it will. I will say this. um, I'm not sure where this ranks in the the MCU for me. I'm still thinking about Mm. that. But at at this point, it is my least favorite Avengers film. I still prefer mm. Age of Ultron and the first Avengers, but that's not to really discredit this one. In fact, I mean, everyone, a lot of people know that I think Age of Ultron is a very underrated movie. I know you, mm. you and I differ a little bit on that one, but I know you like a lot of aspects of it. Mm-hmm. But even so, I'm not sure where it fits in with the whole saga. There are just enough of those reservations that hold it mm-hmm. back just a bit for me. Yeah, and I think that's very fair. I do like Age of Ultron perhaps a lot more than a lot of other people even, you know, given Mm -hmm. a lot of the disparity for that film online. I'm very much in the positive camp of it, but there Mm -hmm. are enough things about that film that I still find fundamentally very flawed about the movie that keeps it from being in that top tier uh, for the MCU for me. Uh, Infinity Mm -hmm. War is easily one of the top five films for me. I I haven't actually done the exercise of of ranking the films, but it wouldn't surprise me if it jumps into that top three, maybe even number one. Like, I love the film that much, but yeah. So I'm still wrestling with it. uh, And and obviously there's some recency bias there, but uh, (laughs) I just can't. Yeah. I can't get over, and this is kind of like what I argued with the Avengers from 2012 as why it's my favorite film of the MCU, at least going into this weekend, right? It's mm-hmm. that initial experience, the the fact that all of these characters were coming together in this unprecedented way, and it blew me away, like mm-hmm. exceeded my expectations even. You know, there's, so there's something subjective about that. Like my the, the geek in me just kind of comes out in these films when it's done yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and... Given everything that's going on in this film, I mean, there are literally 23 different heroes going on, and then you have to make this a Thanos story on top of that. And Mm -hmm. for it to be as successful as it is, I don't know how they do that. Like, that just seems like an impossible task to me. And I think they uh, succeeded beyond anything that I could have ever dreamt of. So, okay. um, I, 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 I I would still argue that. On a technical level, it's it's a top five MCU film. So okay. subjectively, where does it rank for me? It's it's got to be in that same conversation still. So okay, that's good to hear. Know. So we'll see. I'm sure we'll get more into that. <laughs> as yeah, the weeks and, go especially on, as so. I ponder on the movie. I'm still not sure where it ranks for me, but eventually I'll post a re ranking of where I actually put each of these yeah, 19 sure, sure, movies sure. thus far. In fact, we're, in a couple months, we're going to get 20 of them when Ant-Man and yeah. the Wasp actually comes out. So I, I, we don't have to wait too long now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's get uh, to any final thoughts you have. Um, feel free to go into more spoilers here as well. So any final thoughts you have on Infinity War? I have one final thought, and it's going to irk you so heavily. Oh, Jimmy. my and God. You, yeah. How could you hate it? It is so You know so what I'm going to say, right? Yes, it is really good. I think it's some of his best work. Uh, I thought it was okay. Oh I, I'll simply God. say, I thought it was okay. 
I, I think aside from the reprising of the classic themes that we saw in the past film, or specifically from 2012, I do think the piano motif that plays during the end credits is really striking and beautiful. Mm-hmm. I can't say a lot of the rest of it really stuck out for me. I don't think it's bad. It's certainly not on the level of what Brian Tyler was doing yeah, with Age of Ultron. Sure. But I do I wouldn't say it's one of his best uh, scores, at least of late. I actually think I even prefer his score for Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, there's enough melodies mm. that actually stood out for me in that specific world. So I thought it was fine. I will agree that it's not his best work. Um, mm. I, don't, I don't know if it would be in my top three per se, but I mm. really loved it. And I think what I enjoyed about it so much is that he does reprise the classic theme from the first Avengers, but he uses it more sparingly here. And I enjoyed that. Like he uses it at the right times. And boy, I felt like it was really well timed when it comes back. But because this is Thanos' story, I like how he shifts away from something heroic and he offers something a little bit more somber. There's a lot about this score. And I listened to the entire thing earlier today. There's a lot about it that tonally complements Thanos's story and I'm not exactly sure what the right word is but it's more dour it's it's a little bit more bleak in tone and in mood and mm-hmm. I like that about the score and and it feels almost anti Alan Silvestri in that regard because when you think sure. about his best work a lot of it is more energetic they're light in tone they're heroic mm-hmm. or you know they just complement a lot of the fun of uh, a lot of these movies he composes and this is just very different a lot of it is uh just kind of more somber i'm not exactly sure what the right word is but that's kind of what it felt to me yeah and and i liked those little intricacies that he brings to it and if i may be the music guy that comes in uh and gets maybe a bit more technical he utilizes a lot more minor and even harmonic minor keys which give it that real depression that that real dissonance to it uh Mm -hmm. and i love that approach i love that somber approach to it too it almost reminded me more of like a like like a like uh that choir composer eric whitaker and if you ever listen to his work Mm -hmm. he makes some of the most gorgeous music that you can uh actually imagine now i guess the reason why i wasn't as high as you are is because even someone in like during the more energetic and action-oriented moments I felt like the score just wasn't as memorable for me. And I think that's the mm. only reason why I okay. can't say I thought it was great. There are moments where I thought it was great, and I like the approach more than anything else. Okay, I think that's very fair. I, I would mm. say that uh, part of it could just be the film itself, because I did enjoy Maybe. it more in context of the film than just listening to it on Spotify while I'm at work. You know, because... When you're listening to depressing, (laughs) at least somber mood. (laughs) You're saying you're depressing while at work, is that it? (laughs) It's just, it's not a great mood setter. I'll I'll just put it that way. So I think it's better served within the context of the film. Um, Mm. But I I was still very much moved. Now, a a lot of it could also be the performances, the themes of this film as we've been talking about. There's a lot about the drama itself that moved me that... You know, when I f- focused in on the score, it just seemed to complement those moments. So um, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it just is the film itself more mm-hmm. so than Sylvester's score. But um, yeah. from my recollection of my experience in the theaters, <laughs> I was still moved by what he brought in terms yeah, of the music. Okay. So Yeah, and that's good to hear for you. Um, I guess while we're on the subject of final thoughts, kind of veering away from that topic now, I do want to say one thing is that I really hope 
whatever the title for Avengers 4 is, and we obviously didn't speculate about that. I have a hunch that they're probably going to name it after another Avengers comic, maybe Avengers Disassembled or Avengers Forever. I don't know, maybe Mm -hmm. something like that. I do hope we finally get more of the ramifications of Civil War, which we really didn't get much at all in this movie. Yeah, great point. And at first, I kind of thought that was a big disservice, but at the same time, as we said, this is Thanos' story, so maybe Mm -hmm. it would have served as a bit of a distraction. Now, with the next Avengers, we're going to potentially get Rogers and Stark on screen again together, and that has the opportunity to delve into that, and I hope that they do. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's not something we talked about in our review, and I also Mm -hmm. agree. I like that they veered away from that um at least the Mm -hmm. culmination of it because this is about thanos but the one moment where it is brought up i still love how there's a lot of tension there you know and because people have been talking about you know that letter that you get at the end of civil war and i think that letter is important because it it's it's Mm -hmm. thematically important to the ethos of the captain america character um, right. But for me, that letter doesn't necessarily relinquish that tension. I still find that tension there. And we see this moment where Bruce Banner brings it up to Tony Stark and Stark is like, we're not on speaking terms. Things mm-hmm. are not good right now. Yeah. And he very broke much- up like a band like the Beatles. <laughs> exactly. Great line. But I love how the film very much acknowledges that things aren't good between the two of them. So we know there's Mm -hmm. still a lot of tension there. Things aren't great. Um, So I think this film serves as kind of a reminder that uh, there is tension there while also, you know, I don't think it hurts civil war in any way, as far as that letter, like I said, I think it's important for that film. So it it doesn't hurt civil war at all. While it would have been nice, maybe to get a bit more of a dwelling in that sense of tension. That's what I think is going to happen with the next. Exactly. And, And then that's where I was, you know, incessantly, you know, going in different ways, but leading up to Mm -hmm. that. So, uh, because I agree, I think in the next film, not only do you have to bring these quote unquote disappeared heroes back, but then Cap and Stark, who are two of only a few of them that are left, they are now going to have to come together, overcome Mm -hmm. that tension in order to not only defeat Thanos, but probably bring their friends back. So, yeah, um, and I look forward to seeing how they resolve all of that. So yeah, and that's what I expect them to do in the next movie. At least I hope so, because I don't want it to be a missed opportunity for how thematically strong of a gut punch Civil War ultimately was. But I do think they will. I have some faith in that. It's interesting, Judy, because our conversation now makes it sound like I was a lot more positive on the film than I actually was, because I still do have a lot of reservations in the flow of this movie, at least during the first half. Mm-hmm. And I talked about that in my opening thoughts too, which is why. I I don't know where it ranks for me personally, but I, I can tell you right now it's not in my top five of the MCU. In fact, it might actually be like around number 10 for me at this point now that mm-hmm. I really think about it because I just wish it was more consistently tight for me personally. But there are so many great things that do save it as a recommendation for me, and that mm-hmm. is Thanos. This is his movie. When the Russos said they had to cut Thanos's backstory from the movie for time purposes, they neglected to tell us that this whole movie is Thanos's story so it really didn't matter (laughs) yeah sure Um, apparently the roosters have have a really good habit of veering us off topic by just blatantly lying to us and i I have no problem with that personally eventually it's going to catch on and people are going to get too smart yeah but 
I do appreciate their approach here in making this Thanos' movie because this should be called Thanos Infinity War, not yeah. Avengers Infinity War. But that's something yeah. I like about it. I, I agree. I, I am there with you, at least when it comes to the title and this big Thanos' story. So yeah. it sounds like really our only major disparity then is the pacing of the film and, yeah. and some of the editing here. So like I said, for me, it was very fluid, but uh, okay. I think all of that is very fair. I think we'll go ahead and end it there because like the main show, going a little long here for bonus content. <laughs> uh, it was kind of necessary. I've yeah, been off this show for true. about a good week, uh, so I have to get my kick back in. Yeah, absolutely. So with all of that said, uh, you can go and listen to episode 271, uh, although you've pretty much heard all of my thoughts already, probably twice <laughs> since I repeated myself <laughs> a little bit here. Well, hopefully uh, I offered a bit of a more interesting and yeah, different approach. This time I like that we got to talk a little bit more about Thanos because obviously mm. there was a lot to talk about with John and Vince on the main show. And yeah. um, we just didn't get to get into some of those nitty gritty details. So I like we got to, to do that here. So, uh, sure. But we do talk more about... Avengers Infinity War. We also talk about our top three scenes or moments in the MCU, which was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. I offered about 75 different honorable mentions. So that's it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just barely scratched the surface <laughs> with that list. So uh, mm-hmm. be sure to go and check that out. We are going to be continuing our Akira Kurosawa movie series on next week's bonus content. At least that is the plan. Yeah. Um, and I look forward to talking about the summer on next week's show as well, Brendan. So mm-hmm. it, is, it is finally here, the summer movie season. So with all of that said, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time on the Incession Film Podcast. Mm-hmm.